So some of you would have come today expecting to hear from Isaac. Unfortunately, he's unwell this weekend. So we made an SOS call yesterday to Paul Smith. And thankfully, Paul has come to the rescue and he's bound to bring us God's word today. And he's going to be talking about how in Christ we have a new story. We don't need to get stuck in our old ways and our old mistakes. We have a new story. So each week, as we're thinking about the fact that Jesus is making all things new, we're breaking down one kind of subtitle on that each week. And last week looked at a new identity. This week looking at a new story. So why don't you welcome Paul as he comes to share with us today. Thanks, Jono. So is... uh is anybody else here like me that uh, really struggles to remember people's names? You know, you might have just met them and, and the name's just gone. So, fellas, if, if you're here at the last men's breakfast, this is going to be a similar message, so I'm guessing you've probably forgotten most of that anyway. <laughs> but today, what I'd like to do is I'd like to ins- explore inside your head, if you'll let me. Um, specifically, the story that we tell ourselves. Um, And the story we tell ourselves when we answer the question, do I feel worthy to belong? And do I feel worthy to receive love? Because how we answer these questions will have a direct bearing on our ability to have joy and the abundant life that Jesus said we would have. We all want to be chosen and we want to belong. Were you like like me at those times when, you know, the teacher would ask two people from the school class to get up and stand out the front, and they would be team captains, and then they would then choose other people to join their team. If you're like me, you're sitting there, go, pick me, pick me, and then as the names get read out, you go, just don't make me be last. Because nobody wants to be last man standing, right? We all want to be chosen to belong. If you're last man standing, you feel like you don't belong. And that feeling can come from anywhere. You can find yourself eating lunch on your own when your workmates have gone out to lunch. It could be when your friends organise an activity and they didn't invite you. But it could also be coming into church and you feel like you just don't belong. So what does the world tell us to do if we're feeling like we don't belong? Well, speak positivity over yourself. Use positive affirmations and mantras. And I I read this thing, it said, use daily declarations of self-worth and strength to overcome negative thinking and self-doubt and drive positive change in your life. Now, I'm not saying this is bad, but in my experience, there's no amount of these positive affirmations and positive energy mantras, and in some cases, scripture, that we pour into ourselves from the outside if the inside message is that we tell ourselves we're not worthy of belonging and not worthy of being loved for who we are. Because focusing on the external is like taking a pill for my anger. When the reason why I'm being angry, that's not being addressed. Might help control the outburst, but it's not addressing the core issue. Also, if I was a bit of a loner, you know, forcing myself... You got me? Forcing myself, you know, No, but I will. Can you hear me now? Is that better? Sorry about that. Um, Yeah, you know, if if you're a loner, forcing yourself to be around people, 
that's not going to fix the issue either. We need to drill down to find out what is the core issue going on here. So who's heard of the saying, I can't see the forest because of all the trees? What does that actually mean? Well, the Cambridge Dictionary describes this as being unable to understand a situation clearly because you're too involved in it. And, and isn't that us inside our own heads? Last week I remember uh, John mentioned that Steve was the only person who couldn't see his own personal growth because he's too close to the situation. Well, this is the same thing. Now, I spent, uh, I've spent 18 years as a career coach and it's never ceased to amaze me how some people just can't get out of their own head. Uh, I absolutely love this job because people would walk away from me after I'd spent some time with them to reframe their work achievements. And it's in a way that they say they could never have um, articulated. And I'm talking to everybody up to executives here. Right? They walked away with a, new, a renewed sense of excitement of how they could show the value they have to an employer. But here's the thing. I never told them anything they didn't already know. But what I did was to help them see a new perspective of the things that they had done or you know, a bigger picture to be able to get away from the trees to be able to see the forest. And for some, this has been seriously life-changing. It was the most rewarding job I ever had. But do you think I'm any good at promoting myself? <laughs> Not a chance. Any coach will tell you that because, in my head, I can't see the forest because of all the trees. We're so intricately involved with every area of our lives that pulling the specific elements out that's going to be interesting to somebody else, that's super challenging. But someone who's not as intricately involved in all of this stuff, like a coach or maybe a counsellor, um, they're not involved in our forest, in, in our trees, so they can see the forest and help us to see that. I enjoy going to men's sheds. It's where guys get interviewed about their story. Ladies tend to do this naturally. And I've got to um, give kudos to Hannah at the last ladies event. I think she had eight ladies talk about parts of their story. And I think the next event is also about testimonies. But us men, we need to be intentional about it. Every one of us has a story. We have multiple stories, in fact. And Shed has taught me that the beauty of your story is that, well, nobody can argue with it. They can't tell you you're wrong. They might disagree with your footy team or your political view, but they can't argue with your story. It'll all be true for you. And it's the stories that happen to the things that happen to us during our time in the red tape. Now, for those that are unsure what I'm talking about, um, the best way to explain it is to allow Francis Chan to explain it. Going, man, what am I going to look forward to at the end? I'm going to bring an illustration that this is like the first illustration I did. It was 20 years ago, but I can't think of a better way to, to explain it. Um, I actually didn't use a rope back then. I used a, remember a, remember a computer paper when uh, it was all stuck together and it had the holes on the side that you had to peel off? Remember that? I remember getting a, a roll, and some of you guys have no idea what I'm talking about, which is crazy to me, but because uh, that was the best, you know? And, um, and it never worked right because of the rolling things. But, uh, but I, I, had, I remember being a youth pastor and I put uh, that computer paper all the way around the room and... Uh, but I'm gonna use a rope now because I can't find that computer paper. Um, imagine this rope, okay? Pretend this rope just goes on forever, okay? Just imagination. Pretend it goes around the world a few times. It doesn't, it ends at the rock. But uh, let's just imagine this thing goes on forever. Now imagine that this rope 
is a timeline of your existence. You just exist forever. You see this red part? This would represent your time on earth. You've got a few short years here on earth, and then you've got all of eternity somewhere else. This is, this is your existence. And what blows me away is some of you, all you think about is this red part. It's all you think about. You're consumed with this. You go, oh man, I can't wait till here. You know, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to save, save, save so I can really enjoy this part right here. <laughs> and you're consumed with that. And you're thinking, oh man, am I going to get to travel? Am I going to eat well? Am I going to do this during this part? And I'm like, are you kidding me? What about this? What about this? What about that? What about all this stuff? It's just, it's crazy to me because the Bible teaches that what I do during this little red part determines how I'm going to exist for millions and millions and millions of years forever. And, and so why would I spend this little red part trying to make myself as comfortable as possible, enjoying myself as much as I can, Paul says, look, I'm going to live my life for this mission. I'm going to spend my life, invest my life for this moment when I cross that finish line. See, I'm going to forget about all the stuff I could enjoy. And I'm not going to look around. I'm going to be like a runner just looking at that moment when I face God. Because when I face him, then I don't get this chance over again. We get one chance at this life on earth. And it can end at any second for any of us. We've got one chance at this. And then comes eternity. And I'm not going to be fooled. I'm not going to spend my life down here. See, people look at some of my decisions and go, oh, you're so stupid because that's going to really affect this. I go, no, you're stupid because it's going to affect all of this. Man, I, I, I'm serious. I, I look. Pretty good, hey? We share the same barber. We, we get one crack at this... Uh, little red part so our story of what happens to us during this red type it's a bit like the bible it's one story well it's his story or history if you will but it consists of lots of stories also like jesus you know his big picture message was to love god and then love others but he told us how to do that by giving us stories or parables and how to live that out and you may know of a guy in the bible called david because of the story about him defeating Goliath, or the prophet Jonah for his time in the whale. We, we humans are, are drawn to stories. So what about you? What's your story? How many stories do you have? Do you have lots? Do you have a few? Do you feel like you have none? Maybe you're like me when I thought, yeah, sure, you know, I can rattle off a few life moments and you can call them stories if you like, but who'd want to hear them? <clears throat> I never saw my life as a story, but rather a, a series of coincidences and events that I just kind of persevered through to get to where I am today. But the more stories I heard from other men, the clearer these coincidences in life have become. And I began to see coincidences differently. Which, which began my mind shift. Like, it was a coincidence when my friend received a call on his home phone, which hardly ever rang because he didn't give it out, but it rang at the exact moment he was about to pull the trigger on his revolver. This person 
This was a person he'd met only once before and had invited him to church that day. Or, when I get this puzzling text on, a phone, on my phone on a Sunday morning, when I'm out playing golf, when normally I'm here at church, from a guy who was literally about to take his own life. And had I been in church, I would not have seen his message for an hour or so. Or when other people help me to see the domino effects of, you know, when I thought I was in the wilderness or a dark valley, but they pointed out that this and that had to happen for me to be the person I am today. And it's amazing to see God moving. I certainly don't consider any of these coincidences. And I think that stories like this are super encouraging to see that God is at work. So I'm here to tell you that there's immense power in our stories, in your story and in my story. And this is also backed up in, in the Bible. So this morning, I'd like to show you where the power is in your story. And it's also um, where it is in the New Testament that shows us how to use this power as well. And there are two places I'd like to draw your attention to, First Peter 3 and Revelation 12. So if you're like me, a follower of Jesus, then we are called to be ready to tell someone for the reason for the hope that we have. And we see this in First Peter 3.15. So Peter, a bit of backstory here. So Peter has just told Christians to love each other as brother and sisters and to not be afraid from the threats of non-believers. So with that being the context, he then says, instead, you must worship um, Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you for the hope, your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. And I think verse 16 just says, you know, be, but do this in a gentle and respectful way, which is really, really important. So the reason for your hope, that's the essence of your story. And also in Revelation 12, 11, it says, And they have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. So defeated him, that's Satan. This verse refers to a battle that's going on in the heavenly realm, so Michael and his angels and the dragon and his angels. So their testimony that it talks about here, that's their story. It's our story. It's defeating the one enemy that we mostly forget about. You know, those negative thoughts that run around your head? Where do you think they come from? Our enemy, because this is where the battle is, right? It's right there. It's not with each other. The battle isn't with flesh and blood. It's in the spiritual realm. And the battle is one by rearranging our story, retelling your story so that it incorporates Jesus, the blood of the lamb. That's where the power is. It's a difference of what Jesus has made since before you knew him to after having known him. So let's look at those negative thoughts. We all have them. Granted, some are, uh, tend to speak louder than others, but nobody is immune. It's that voice that condemns us and points out all of our faults and weaknesses. You know, it'll hit comedians at the height of their profession or athletes at the top of their game, even seasoned pastors. Nobody gets away. So how do these negative stories get there in the first place? I mean, Eve wasn't lied to initially. She was simply asked a question that made her question herself. Did God really say what question is being asked of you? For men, it's usually, do I have what it takes to be a real man? For ladies, it's something like, am I enough? 
or will I be accepted? You know, my thoughts leading up to this have been, you know, will I measure up to the expectations that you all have of me? And we all have these questions being regularly put to us. In fact, we've got a, a whole wall in our mind of these things that we question about ourselves. It's full of evidence of our past showing us how much we are such a failure. It's so compelling to look at because it's all true. All those bad things did happen to me. I did fail at some things that I tried. I was very selfish. I did used to have hair. <laughs> but you have your own wall too. We've all missed the mark on so many occasions. So, you know, what does your wall of negativity look like? My wall says, you know, I grew up bullied at school, had an inappropriate uncle, spent 20 years in the army teaching me to look out for me. I was a business owner with poor moral ethics. I've had three failed marriages, I think that's enough. But, but this is where guilt and shame and condemnation, unforgiveness, bitterness, that's where they reside, right there. So don't get me wrong, this is not a competition to see who's got the worst wall of shame. But I know some people will think, oh, you know, your wall can't be as bad as mine, so you wouldn't understand. And so they don't tell and talk about it. So what can we do with this wall? Well, we can do what the world says and we can focus on future goals and positive energy mantras. We might even start reading the Bible. Or we might even be so far from God that we just can't read the Bible, don't even want to pick it up. We can also go into combat mode. We can stand our ground and fight our enemy back with spiritual warfare, which I'm sure the devil would want us to be pinned at this wall. Or we have another option. We can go look at another wall. Just don't play near this wall. Take your bat and ball and go look somewhere else. So I'm not saying that we pretend this wall doesn't exist because we will get many reminders about it and new things will be constantly added. Like during the week, you're gonna, um, we're all going to say something we wish we hadn't. Guess where that's going to be stuck? On that wall. Because it's true, along with the accusation, see, you're a failure. So just know that many parts of our lives will be added to this wall. What I'm saying is not to get caught up in a fight that you don't need to partake in. It's like a six-year-old telling me I'm bald. And then me um, how ridiculous would it be for me to say, you know, I'm going to fight you and steal you until you stop saying that. You know, just go away, walk away. So don't get caught up into, into that. It's a six-year-old. You know, that's not who you're going to fight with, right? So go find something else productive to do. It's the same with those negative thoughts in your head. Choose not to fight with the six-year-old. I don't know why I keep looking at you, Graham, when I think of that six-year-old. <laughs> but choose a different internal tape to run in your head, a different perspective to focus on. But I get that. To play a different tape or to see a different perspective, you first need to believe in the possibility that there can be another one, that there is uh, another tape to run. And this is where the coach or the counsellor comes in. Because there's only one person who can't see the forest because of the trees, and that's us. But everyone else can see the forest because they're not involved in the middle of our trees. 
So in my experience, we reckon that we're pretty good at reading other people. And yet we think we can hide our own stuff so that other people won't notice. But we can't hide it. We actually do tell the story we believe about ourselves by the way we live life. So we can easily see the story of others like, you know, there's the one who's tightly wound. You know, he's full of rage and anger, ready with adrenaline in the veins, ready to snap at any moment. Or the one who avoids engaging in life because they've had their trust broken. Or maybe because they see themselves as a failure from comparing to others. Or we have the complainer. But, but it's usually because their wall is full of injustice. But on the other side, there's also the carefree person who always wears a smile and offers grace wherever they go. And for me, I, I think of Mike Tobin immediately came to mind. Actually, both those guys are like that. But Mike, he knew which wall to focus on and how to tell the story of Jesus in his life well. Uh, so thank you, Marianne, for allowing me to, to put that up. And there are other examples as well. We all know those who tell their story without having to open their mouth. They can't hide it, even though they won't tell you what's going on. And if you'd like to know how you display your story, just ask two or three people that you trust really well, that are going to be, um, be honest with you and not just nice. So, so maybe that's a blind spot for you. So I want us to focus on this reframe or this, this new perspective so that when people ask you for the hope that lies within you, you have a better idea of how to tell your story to show the power that Revelation talks about. Who's seen the movie Vantage Point? Anyone? A couple? So it's a movie about, it's about an assassination attempt of an American president. And they play this shooting eight different times from the perspective of eight different people. Same situation, but each vantage point had a different story to tell. Now, none of the people lied when they gave their perspective, but they each had a different story. Their perspective was truth for them. But it wasn't the truest truth, right? And it also didn't mean just because their perspective was true that everyone else's perspective was wrong. So what you actually believe about you is true for you. But like in that movie, there can also be another truth. So your truth, your internal dialogue, can also be used in a different way and still be true. You see... Whether those negative thoughts that are running around in your head are true or not, that's irrelevant. It's which perspective do you want to own? I'll say that again. Whatever's running around in your head, whether that's true or not, it doesn't matter. It's what perspective do you want to own and then live your life out. So, so through all our stories, we see that it takes time to reveal hindsight or it takes someone else, like a coach or a counsellor, to point out how God is working in your life. And I, and I use a coach or a counsellor because that's what they do day in, day out. They hear people's stories. But it can be anybody with the right motive. So what do we do with our wall of shame? Well, firstly, we need to be open that there can be a possibility of another perspective. Then be open to receiving a new perspective of how God is working. But even if you can't see any perspective right now, as a believer, we have a whole other wall of 
what it really means to be a dearly beloved child of God. And that's our identity in Christ. And, and on the screen, you know, we are accepted, we are secure, we're significant because of Jesus. So this is uh, just part of something that I've had printed out. And we've got some um, handouts at the back of the room and there'll be some out in the coffee area outside there to take with you. But this is the start of what could be a new war for you. This is the new creation that the Bible speaks about. Because our past will let us, uh, sorry, will keep us at our wall of negativity if we let it. The enemy is right there saying, is there really power in your story? Surely not your story. Maybe others, but not yours. I mean, look at it. And we've all heard that message before. I'm also not saying to tell yourself that this stuff doesn't exist because that'd be like taking a pill for my anger. But just don't forget, this wall of negativity is just one perspective. To get the truest truth, the complete picture, like they did in the movie, we need to get all perspectives. So in, many, in fact, many times the greatest impact of our story is actually our backstory where we've come from. I mean, I look normal, but I grew up in Tasmania. <laughs> now I'm amazing, right? Sorry, Vicky, I don't know why I'm picking on the Carnells over there. It's terrible. I think of the, you know, the Apostle Paul. I mean, he authored 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament, mostly from in prison. That's impressive enough. But don't forget, he was Saul of Tarsus. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was um, destined to become the high priest and he was also killing Christians until a Damascus Road conversion by Jesus himself. And also reminded of a guy called Johnny Lee Clary. Uh, he was the first white person to preach at a certain all-black church. Nothing too special about that until you learn that the year before, he was the leader of the Ku Klux Klan. Can you imagine him going into church preaching that sermon? What a conversion. But there are thousands of stories where the worse the backstory, the better the testimony. What the devil meant for harm, as we sang before, God used for good. Will you allow God to be glorified through your story? Or will you let the devil keep you bound to your wall of negativity? So what about this power in our story? It's acknowledging that even though bad things have happened... God has used them for good. Our job is to recognise that even though bad things have happened, God has used them and um, shaped me to be a better person than had I not gone through them. And I say through them because we can't be stuck in the messy middle. We have to go through them to see the potential that God's got for us. And maybe you're still stuck in the messy middle right now and you need help getting through. Well, can I encourage you to talk it out? James 5.16 says... Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. So talk it out. Because this story, this, in, in sometimes getting through it can just be a mind shift. That's all it takes to get through, have that breakthrough. But your story must acknowledge God's hand on it. That's where the power is. Like this series, All Things New, we've been made new because of what Jesus has done. Tell that story. Otherwise, we'd be just come like everybody else who just pushes God aside. 
And the devil's smiling, still frown, uh, instead of frowning. Do you want him smiling at your stuff? God's not interested in our past. He looks at our future. He has a plan for us that he has already prepared for us. So move away from the wrong wall. Get your joy back because the joy of the Lord is our strength, right? I get it, though. Self-promotion, that's hard, right? Looking at only the positive things, that's very challenging. And there's also something prideful about only looking at positive stuff. But I'm not talking about the things we would post on Facebook or Instagram, the highlight reels, because that's not the truth, the full truth either. It's everything in the right perspective. Now, if you're sitting there thinking, yeah, but I can't see God working in my life. Well, that was me not so long ago. And if I'd kept my story to myself, which I did for many years, I would never have lined up all the dots to take comfort in the refining he was doing in me or to see how the unique qualities he placed in me from the very beginning were being used for his kingdom. How do I know this? I've told my story to multiple people in multiple ways. It all started with a men's shed and through the feedback of other men, their perspectives, their prompts by the Holy Spirit, I can now see God all throughout my life. He never has left me. Nor has he forsaken me. He has certainly tested me, but he's never left me. And it doesn't matter what your backstory is. God can use everyone, and he does. He's using you right now. He is. He's active in your life right now. Let me prove it to you by telling you a story. I'm not sure if we have any mathematicians in the room here, but what are the odds of a home phone ringing at the moment someone's about to take their life? Or the chance of seeing a vague text on my phone to sense something wasn't right when normally I'd have my phone on silent and be in church? Coincidence? Then help me calculate these odds. So, backstory. I had my business for 16 years. I had to close the doors and just, just walk away. So I had to get a job. I picked up a job as a recruiter. And so uh, I'm, I'm fast forward a little bit. I'm now three months, uh, three weeks away from my six-month probation, and um, it was the Thursday before Easter last year. So we'd just gone into lockdown, um, and I received an email from my boss saying that the effectiveness of my work had been called into question, and I was totally blindsided by the whole thing. I'm not saying I'm a model employee, but when it went from like one casual conversation to a few weeks ago to a formal performance review where HR was involved. But his touching note at the bottom of the email was, but don't let this spoil your Easter break. <laughs> I thought, what just happened? I said, God, this is yours. I'm not touching it. So I handed it over to him. However, that night, I couldn't sleep. Apparently, I hadn't fully handed it over to him tossed and turns and I said look God if you're in this let me know I haven't got a fleece to put out and here I'm talking about another story in the Bible where Gideon in Judges 6 puts out a fleece and he asks God I want you to wet my fleece but keep the ground dry you know you can read that in your own time but um, I wanted to know whether it was the plan that God really wanted I had no fleece to put out the only thing out were my garbage bins so I said, God, if you're in this, knock over my garbage bins. <laughs> then I went to sleep. Next morning was Good Friday, and, and I went out. The, the garbage trucks come fairly early. 
I went out and I brought back in my bins after they'd been emptied and I didn't think anything at that point. Because to be honest, do you really think I expected my bins to get knocked over? No. A few hours later, we did the neighbourly thing and we went next door and took some Easter eggs um, for their daughter. And Matt, the dad, says, uh, hey, did you hear the commotion at 3.30 this morning? I said, no. He said, we were woken up with these loud bangs, so Julie and I raced out of bed and I saw these three guys on push bikes riding up the road, kicking all the bins over as they went. <laughs> he said, I took off after them until I saw how big they were and I turned around and came back. But as he came back, he stood all the bins back up. So earlier, I never saw that anything was out of place and I didn't think anything more of it. But when Matt told me that story, I was gobsmacked. I later asked Matt, how many times have our bins been knocked over in the last 10 years? Zero. And since then? Zero. So, mathematicians, what's the odds of um, having your bins knocked over within hours of asking God to do it? What a coincidence, eh? And then a couple of things hit me. Had we not gone next door to take some Easter eggs, I may have never heard what had transpired. But God was still working in my life. Even when I don't see it, he's working. And then I also thought, God, if, if you're in my circumstances when I ask you to show me, how many times are you in my circumstances without me asking? Somebody needed to hear that today. Look, I can't explain how distant I was when I, uh, I felt I was from God at the moment I received that email. I'd gone from losing a business, which was my baby, right? To now maybe not even get past my probation in a new job. Um, I've learnt now that my work performance had nothing to do with it. Although at the time it seemed like it was the centre of everything that was going on. But I now see that my God was using my boss to not only humble me, but he also to show me that he is still in control. You know, my boss scheduled weekly meetings after that, and at every meeting he said, no, I'm happy. And I hadn't changed the thing that I was doing. Go figure. God is always with me, and he has never left me. I'm certainly no, nothing special. Um, and so be encouraged that he's also with you too. Even if you don't see it, he is working. God was using me, actually, to build relationships with my atheist colleague in Melbourne, and with people in my team here in Brisbane. Who'd have thought God was interested in relationships? Eh? So maybe start there looking, looking there in your life. Now, I've never asked God to do anything like that before. And I wouldn't recommend making a habit of testing God. But what I have learned is that he is intricately involved in every area of our lives, even if we can't see it straight away. He is working. So this has not only strengthened my faith, but it's now part of my story. And there are many parts to my story, and this is just one of them, but it's the part I want to tell to edify and glorify God and how he has changed me. And so it's my encouragement to you to talk about your story. If you're never told in a way that glorifies God, can I encourage you to get alongside someone else? Spend some time over coffee and ask them to help you see where God has or where he is moving in your life. Because he is. Becoming who God created you to be starts with realigning your thoughts so like a mind shift to be open to the possibility that there could be another perspective 
to the internal story that you tell yourself. So this wall that holds you captive, it will if you let it, but it can actually be turned around to be the thing that glorifies God the most if you let it. So this is where prayer and the Holy Spirit come in to recognise God's hand in your life. Jesus promised to leave us with his Holy Spirit who would never leave us. And, and John fourteen seven hit me the other week. It says, he is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because, the world, because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognise him. Have you been looking for him? Can you recognise him? I may have been looking, but I didn't recognise him until my bin episode showed me that I needed a mind shift. I needed to look at my life differently to be more aware of how he is working in my life. So this is, message has been placed heavy on my heart because I've seen the freedom that it brings when people see their own story through a different lens. There was one guy who said that he'd been released from hanging on to stuff for 40 years that he'd never told anybody. Because keeping it in only allows our enemy to use it continually to condemn us and keep us from experiencing the joy and the abundant life Jesus said we were to have. So I hope this has encouraged you to begin seeing life differently. Hey, who's heard of a uh, thing called a human library? Pastor John, let me, uh, let me know about this. It's actually a not-for-profit organisation originating in Denmark. You got that picture, Ollie? Um, where it's actually where you borrow a person instead of a book and listen to their life story for 30 minutes. Each person has a title, unemployed, refugee, bipolar, etc. You know, the goal is to fight our prejudice by listening to their story and then you realise how much we shouldn't judge a book by its cover. That's now in 85 countries. I reckon we should start a human library here, what do you reckon? So as the music team come up, the world knows there's something special about telling our stories. How much better is it when we add Jesus to our story? So my encouragement to you today is to rethink your story. Because when you tell the right story, that Satan-defeating power story, you feel better about yourself. You feel better about belonging in community and you're much more likely to feel loved and then to be able to love others. Because while it's great to be chosen by people, it's even greater to be chosen by Jesus. And guess what? We all already are chosen. It's the reason he went to the cross, because he first chose us. Would you please stand for prayer? Oh Lord, Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you and oh, we thank you. We thank you for the work you're doing in each of our lives. We come to you now with humble and grateful hearts because you first chose us. Please help us to understand the impact of knowing that in a deeper way. Father, I thank you that you are active in each of our lives. I ask, Lord, that your spirit lead us and guide us to notice afresh how you are moving in our lives. Give us a new revelation, a new mind shift to know the story that you created and to boldly tell it to others so that you may be glorified. We pray this in the name of Jesus.